I, I'm not like a social celebrity by any means. Like I have a small following and I really like it that way. But for whatever reason, that post drove 38,000 people to the website overnight. Alex Sanfilippo is the host of Podcasting Made Simple and the founder of podpros.com, a software company specifically focused on creating solutions that serve independent podcast hosts and guests. He found fast success with his first app called Podmatch, an app where podcast guests can find podcasts to be featured on and hosts can find guests. Alex is no stranger to fast success. At the age of 19, he was already the owner of a super successful real estate portfolio. But then the Great Recession happened. The day I realized that I went from being one of the most well-off 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, however old I was, to being the most in debt that I know with no plan and no direction was a really, a really tough day for me. This is the story of how Alex rose from the ashes to become a global phenomenon in the online coaching industry. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault, available only to our TGP insiders. In the full version, we dive deeper into all the side hustles that were formative in Alex's entrepreneurial journey, proving once more that overnight success is not really a thing. He shared even more details about his crashing story, his day-to-day -day in his 9-to-5 job after the crash, and how we met just before he launched Podmatch. These are all details that we don't want you to miss, so we put them all inside our uncut vault. Become a TGP Insider today and get the full story at theglobalphenomenon.com slash insider. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while well, you're wondering if you should start a podcast too, join us inside the free Facebook group and ask all your questions. We have incredible coaches who have started and launched successful podcasts, and they'll hook you up with the motivation and advice you need to start. Click the link in the show notes or go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook, and we'll see you there. And please head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's our interview with the unlikely success story in podcasting, Alex Sanfilippo. Welcome to The Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career that has taken the world by storm, creating multiple self-made millionaires and opening the doors for regular folks like you and me to achieve our wildest dreams. Hi, my name is Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach for online coaches ready to live a rich, passionate, and abundant life without regrets. And I'm on a mission to uncover the secret sauce that made the top coaches in our industry rise to global phenomenon status so that you can be next. Today's episode begins now. Hello, Alex. I am so happy that we're here. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing fantastic. I'm honored to be here as someone who listens to your show. This is like a dream come true to actually be here with you right now. So thank you for having me. That's like the the tallest compliment. Okay? I'm like, you listen to my little show. Um, you guys, because Alex is the authority in podcasting. So that is that that is a high, that is a really high compliment coming from you. So why don't we introduce you to everybody? Why don't you tell everyone what you do and who you help right now? So what I do is I run a series of podcasting softwares to help podcast guests and podcast hosts 
go further faster. We might get into some of those today, but I like to say I'm just through and through podcasting. And ultimately what I'm here to do in this industry is just help people's voices, especially the independent people that are getting into podcasting, get their voices heard and elevated through podcast interviews that are getting released because that's what serves the role and makes a better place. And I'm all about making that happen. But you didn't start out with podcasts. Actually, it's very hard for anybody our age to have started out in Correct. podcasting, <laughs> right? Um, I started, I started, let's see who wins. I started podcasting in 2012. When was your first podcast? Ooh, I think you've got me beat. I believe mine was 2014 or 2015. I don't remember the exact year. It was terrible, by the way. That's disappeared from the internet. <laughs> okay. So let's let's go back here because you didn't start out in podcasting. Like none of us really started out in podcasting. It's something that we kind of found. Uh, but before we get there, I would love to hear a little bit about you, like little Alex. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? What was life like when you were younger? Yeah, I, I had a really fun childhood. I'm so thankful for that. So I, I first off shout out my parents who just helped me have an amazing life, right? They kind of built that foundation. So, so thankful for you, mom and dad, if you're checking this out, I don't think they know how to listen to a podcast, but you know, that's okay. I'll um, send it to them. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I really had an enjoyable childhood. I, drew, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, and that's actually still where I live today, but like, that's where I, I grew up and I grew up in a really, uh, my, my family wasn't well off initially, let's put it that way. So when I was real young, I was in a very small home followed by uh, an apartment complex. Not there's anything wrong with that, but my parents at that point had three kids and we were, grow we were living in a one bedroom apartment, which was a little small, I'd say. Um, but eventually my dad, who was an entrepreneur and business owner, really built up a business and we moved into like a really nice neighborhood with tons of kids in it. So my childhood was spent for lack of a better term, raging in the neighborhood and finding more and more kids to hang out with. We had tons of bikes going through the road, doing everything we weren't supposed to do, all those things. But it was absolutely a blast. Thoroughly enjoyed my childhood. Nothing but good memories from it. So you make it through school. And how do you decide what what you think you're going to do with your life? Like you graduate high school and then what? Well, be before high school, when I was 10, I don't know if you know this, I started like a little business when I was 10. Did I, did, I've ever told you that story. I, I don't know if we ever talked about that. No, but I think I know this story, but please tell it to us. Yeah. So when I was 10, again, just being that curious kid, we, the neighborhood we grew up in had a golf course in it. And again, <laughs> I, I go back to raging. We used to just tear it up. That was what we did. Um, and then I realized one day there was a golf ball sitting like just on the side of the cart path, picked it up right as a golfer was riding by. And he just said, Hey kid, what does that golf ball say on it? I said, title is pro V1. And he just goes, I'll give you $3 for it. As a 10 year old kid growing up in the nineties, $3. Like you could do a lot with that. I could go to Blockbuster and rent a movie, right? Like there was a right. lot I could do with that. Anyway, we made that transaction happen and immediately something just triggered in my mind. And my brother was there and called our friends like, wow, you got $3. And I was like, we're going to go through every one of these lakes and we're going to find every golf ball in these lakes. And we are going to sell it to golfers here Saturday morning. And so every day after school, we all would just go collect them in all the different lakes. And Saturday morning, we would clean them up afterwards and stuff. And then next Saturday morning, we would be out there, we figure out the seventh tee box is like when golfers had lost enough golf balls to question if they're gonna make it through the day. So they're most primed to purchase, right? Like these are little things that go through my, my mind as a wow. 10 year old. And it was interesting for the first time, I felt like I found something I was good at. But then real estate comes into your life. Is that before you graduate high school? And how did that come about? Yeah, it was so funny story here. My, my, one of my dad's friends was like into technology and into real estate and 
my dad mentioned to him that, hey, Alex is pretty smart on computers for a kid. And I think I was 15 or 14 or something like that. I, I ended up being in a technology startup for creating virtual tours of homes where like now, you know, you can kind of like drag the mouse and look at the roof and flip it around. Now that's fairly common when you go to somewhere like Zillow, but we're talking again, I don't know the exact year, but this was a long time ago. This was 20 years ago at, at the time of recording this. And that technology just didn't exist. We were pioneering that. And so at one point I had three editors working for me and four photographers, and we were just building out these virtual tours of homes. And I loved it. It was so much fun learning to manage a team and working remote. None of us worked in the same room. Like, again, going back that far, like it's kind of crazy to think about. And I loved it. And so throughout high school, I was doing that again, more of a side hustle. The main hustle was schooling at that point. Right. Nice. But I was working on it when I can. That's why I was subbing out the work. And the day I turned 18, I was ready to invest in real estate because I had just seen so much of it. And I was so curious about it. And I saw it being a means of like, you could actually bring wealth through real estate. And so, yeah, that was kind of my plan. So I started off just doing like a technology startup in the space and moving into actually doing some real estate investing as soon as I got out of high school. And you're doing okay until 2008, hashtag 2008. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're right. right? Yes. <laughs> so how can you, actually, I would love to hear a little bit of a like story of what happened? It's very easy to see this on paper, right? Yes, 2008 hit and I lost everything. But like, I'm sure the reality of it was a lot more emotional than I could ever read in a piece of paper. So I would love to know, what what were you experiencing while this was happening? How did you start to figure out like, wait a minute, I, I was fine yesterday and all of a sudden my holdings are worth what? Can you tell us what happened? Yeah. So if, if let me paint the picture here. Going leading up to that point. So not like not not the crash happening, but up to that point, being that kid that was an entrepreneur, I had a, a different group of friends as well. People saw that Alex could bring in money. He can organize teams. He's built a company from the age of 14 on, right? Like the, the golf ball one, I never paid taxes on that. But the rest of them were like legit companies, right? Right. And uh, I, I just kind of developed this rapport with other people as like, okay, Alex is kind of like, he's going to lead, he's going to make money, he's going to build teams. And that's just how he is. And that was great. But I started attracting some of the wrong people to me because of myself. So I quickly developed, for lack of a better term, a bit of an entitled mentality and I'll never forget it. One time I saw a magazine, I think it was at the, the dentist and I was sitting waiting. This is before we all had phones to play on. So I'm sitting there and I see a magazine and it, it was Forbes 30 under 30. I remember looking at that and making a commitment to myself saying, you know what? I'm going to be on this magazine as a Forbes 30 under 30 and real estate and technology is my vehicle to get there. Just knew it. And at that point, again, I developed this mindset of like, I got to just keep on going until I can get this. People don't really matter. This doesn't matter. And so again, a lot of my friendships I had were very shallow. They were centered around money, fame, all that. The relationships I was in with, with girls were the same. Drove a really sweet car, had a really cool girlfriend, right? Like all those things. So like I built up this mentality and it kind of changed my identity a little bit. I became this guy who was like on a mission and don't get in the way or uh, I'm going to knock you over, right? And I'm just going to keep on going. And I, I regret even like being sharing this today is hard for me to even say if I can be real, you know, because it's just not who I am anymore. And when now getting up to the point of like the actual crash, right? Like maybe some people were smart enough to see it. And I know there's movies about it now. And you're like, oh, how could no one notice this? Right. But like back then, there was very few people who realized what was happening. And so for me, I started investing in real estate at 18. I also started college on the side of that. Right. And love my family to death. They ended up being really successful, but they 
my family's like, Hey, we're all self-made. You're self-made too. We're not paying for college. Right. So everything was like on me. And I was like, fine, whatever. I'm bringing in tons of money. This is cool. And the day I realized that I went from being one of the most well-off 19 year olds, 20 year olds, however old I was to being the most in debt that I know with no plan and no direction was a really, a really tough day for me. I can't even imagine because if I think back, I, I can't even imagine if I think back of myself at that age, I was very dependent on my parents, dependent on like the like people around me. I was kind of on a like on a freight train, right? Towards like there's college and there's uh, a career after that. And there's like, you know, I, I really had not much of a choice. And here you are kind of like in the opposite end of the spectrum. You have you had all the choice you 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 chose this path that was doing very well for you and actually feel for for Alex at that age because I don't feel like you were really doing anything wrong you were taking your own leadership and grit skills that you had developed that you that you maybe you were born with them but I can see them now like that that leadership flair that you have it's a very natural thing for you. So I can imagine that that kind of leadership power in the hands of an 18-year-old, maybe that's where a little bit of a collision happened, right? That is what I'm saying resonating at all? Like, is this, does this sound right? Or are you like, no, Ina, you got that completely wrong? No, you're, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, that that whole flame of everything you just described that are good traits I have completely went out at that point in my life. I, I turned into just like maybe a little bit even woe is me, right? And being like, oh, everything's out to get me. When in reality, I, I didn't have it half as bad as most people out there who like couldn't even eat anymore. Like I was still able to like, my dad got me a job, right? I was able to pay bills and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, it, it was, like I said, I'll call that the lowest point in my life. And uh, I just, as a kid who grew up, felt like I had a lot of friends and I turned into somebody who I felt like I had nobody, just nowhere to turn. And it was, again, a very tough time for me. And what I didn't realize then, actually, though, is is what you actually said in a recent episode of your podcast, episode 190, you talked about what failed launches say about your business. And a quote that you said during that episode, which I really love, is failure is a building block of success. It's a rite of passage that you have to go through. I didn't realize that. Right. But my lack of integrity during that time in my life, if I would have just succeeded, 2008 didn't happen. I would have just kept on succeeding. We would not be having this conversation today because I wouldn't be willing to talk to you. Nothing personal, nothing against you, but I'd be on my way to the top. And if this doesn't directly help me get there, I'm out. Sharing my story, that's not going to help me get ahead, right? Like all those type of things would still be happening because, again, I didn't have the character to continue growing. And characters are foundation, right? Like we have to have that foundation if we truly want to grow and live a life that's going to serve others. And that's the full like transition I had in my life, if you will, of like learning to really serve. But I needed this whole thing to happen if I was actually going to become the man I knew I needed to be. Yeah. Why, why do you think you went through that and came out a changed person? Right. It Because anybody going through that could have just said, oh, well, number one, the crash wasn't my fault. Right. So like, it's not like I was doing anything wrong. I was on my way to the top. I had the nice girlfriend. I had the great friends and I had the nice car. I can get all that back. Right. This was just completely out of my control. What do you think happened? Why do you think that shifted 
into you becoming who you are now? Yeah. First off, during that time, again, I, I definitely put it on myself. I didn't look at what was happening as I, I, I said, this is my fault. Right. And that's probably, there's some internal battles there I had to get through. Right. So, and, and thank God I've had coaching over the years, but like, I immediately didn't blame the economy. I blame myself, but what really changed things for me, I'll never forget it. I was living in one of my invest my, my investment property, right? Like it's the only property I had at this point, way upside down on that mortgage, barely able to pay it. And I, I went to the mail. I got something that was actually a flyer for a uh, young adults church service that was like, I, I read the address. I'm like, I could walk there. Like that's gotta be like just right across the street or something like that. I said, I'm gonna go to this. I was like, I got nothing. Like I got nobody in my life. I'm gonna go to this. My parents brought me up in church. I kind of know how the culture is. Like, I'm going to go. It took me three weeks, Ina, to finally go because I was just so nervous about it. And because I had this feeling that these people are going to judge me when they find out how bad I've done or how mean I've been or how I'm like kind of a failure, right? Like, I just had that mentality. And I'll never forget, I walked in the doors and people just loved me for who I was, which I really appreciated. Like, that, that meant a lot to me. But more than that, I remember they were like, they were doing, a, it was like a, a service where they're just praying and stuff like that. And I, and I was praying and just like, had a moment where I broke down and felt like, felt like Jesus himself just like patted me on the back. And uh, it really like just changed things for me. So don't mean to get emotional on a podcast here, but it really changed my life. And from that moment on, I will never forget. Like I just devoted my life to that. And that's what changed my personality, changed who I was, changed the direction of my life. And from then on, I was just devoted. You know what? Like Jesus lived a life of love and service. And he saw that with me when I wasn't a good person. I want to live that same life. And so from then on, that was the foundation for everything that I did. And sure, I was a part-time receiving clerk at a <laughs> at an aerospace company, right? Like not doing anything significant, but at the very least, I knew I could love people and serve them and continue to work on myself. And that was, again, that went from the lowest point of my life to the new foundation of my life. I don't know exactly how long it was. It was probably a six month, eight month period, right? But like that time in my life fully changed who I was as a man and the fact, again, the, the, just the identity that I had. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm here crying. Nobody can see it because this is a podcast, but I'm here like, like I need a tissue. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that with us because it's really like, it's really those points of transformation that, we really can look back on. I mean, like, you know what? It wasn't, it wasn't my, the, the fact that I had a really high point in my life. It's not, that I had a really low point in my life. It was that, that ability that you had to make that pivot, you know? Um, and, and that is very special because it only happens a few times in a lifetime. And mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing it with us. So you are now in our story working as you know, in the aerospace industry, uh, in the same company as your dad, and you actually stay there for another 15 years, you become an executive at the company, you actually end up going up through the ranks, right? Um, and I know from your story that you realize you just didn't want to be in corporate anymore. After the company went public, things just started, the, the bureaucracy just started to kind of bog down on you. Things just started to slow down. It just wasn't as interesting anymore. But I'm really curious that I'll, I'll give everybody like that part of your story so we don't have to cover it too, in too, too deep. But I'm really curious, everybody that is listening right now, if they've ever thought, well, I don't really want to be incorporated anymore. It doesn't necessarily spring them into action, right? I, I've, I've known I wanted to leave my corporate life 
since the first six months that I started working and it still took me 15 years to leave. So I am really curious to know what was the trigger? What happened that made you start to have a wandering eye in your job? Yeah. First off, I loved uh, 15 years. I loved every second of it. And as you said, I just got promoted along the years because I took that entrepreneurial mindset into what I did. And I'll never forget the one story that I, I'll ne like that really just was like the thing that set me over the edge was I, I, one of my divisions, I ever saw five divisions in the company and one of them saved the full, it was like almost, it was 10 and a half percent or something like that on our bottom line for that quarter. And I was so excited in my head. I didn't actually do this, Ina, but my head, I walk, I reported directly to the CEO. I walked down to his office. I was like, Hey, did you see the, the numbers we did in this division? And his response, he goes, yeah, I, I saw it. And I could, I could hear the stress in his voice. I was like, I, I kind of leaned in. I'm like, well, no, we, we saved like, we saved 10 half percent there. Like we, we worked really hard to get that. He's like, no, no, I know that that's good. He goes, but the, the shareholders are, are not happy. And I was like, why? And he goes, you didn't tell them that we were going to do that. We could have been selling stocks at higher levels. We could have been telling our investors that it could have come out looking a lot better for us, but instead now it's just a bonus for everybody who was already involved. He's like, don't do that again. He's like, just let's maintain that status quo and grow at the pace that we've set with the with the team. And I, I walked out of there and it felt like my office wasn't far from his, but it felt like I was walking for an hour. And just in my head, I was like, it's, it's time to go. So help me understand where podcasting came in. Uh, was Did you start podcasting while you were still working or was it after you left? By the way, did you leave already knowing what you were going to do next? Like, how did that? What was your leaving story? Yeah. So, well, first off, I tried a bunch of side hustles and just nothing would stick, like nothing. And so finally, I, I and somewhere in there, sorry, you know, I did start a podcast and I did some other like little things I did really enjoy that were more hobby based. But I, I always come back to like, I really enjoyed doing that podcast I did for a bit. So I started a podcast to talk to people who had successfully left a nine to five job to pursue entrepreneurship full time to figure out how they did it. And I positioned the conversations in a way that would benefit the listener, but ultimately become free coaching for me to learn how to do what they did. Mm -hmm. And so again, like that, I say it now, I'm like, wow, that's really smart, Alex. But yeah, that, that's really, that's what got me into podcasting, thinking about it as a business. Yeah. So did you leave your job having something already like laid out or did you just quit and say, I'm just going to support myself with my side hustles. Like, well, what's the thought process like on that quitting day? So you had Kevin Schmidlin on the podcast and he said a quote in there that really embodied what I was able to do at this point. And he said, long-term patience with results and short-term impatience with action. So if you want to succeed, you have to have long-term patience with results and short-term impatience with action. And what that means to find it, and Kevin did, by the way, go back and listen to that episode 179. It's pure gold. Uh, he's a really cool story. Um, I was good. I, I got good at that. I was patient with the fact that, you know, I want this podcast to go somewhere. That's why I decided, but I'm going to be okay if it doesn't for a while. Cause I do have a good stable job, but I'm going to be impatient with the action I need to take every day. I'm just going to do the one thing that needs to be done the most. And I got really good at doing that. And, and so what happened is I just learned how to become an entrepreneur and I learned, I wanted to be in podcasting, which I'm thankful for. And then I just hadn't, had a product idea that came through people telling me, Hey, we're struggling with this. 
And so I built a company called Podmatch, which I'm not going to get into the whole spiel of it, but basically it's a service that looks like works just like a dating app, but connects podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. When I was doing this Podmatch thing, this was a side hustle. A side okay. hustle. I, before I still have, you quit. Yeah, before I quit. And okay. right when it launched, the writing was on the wall. Three weeks after it launched, I had the scariest converse, second scariest conversation in my life. Number one was asking my in-laws if I could marry their daughter. Um, the second one was talking to that girl that I married, Alicia, about leaving my really cushy job that was bringing in a ton of money and made our lives really simple, right? Um, but three weeks after we launched it, immediately I saw, you know what? If I don't devote full time to this, it's not going to grow the way it should. So I you need you to help me with the timeline a little bit. I first met you in 2019. You didn't you quit your job like back in like 2015. So the so Potmatch had already existed for that long? Oh no, I, I quit my job on December. My last day was December 7th, 2020, was my last day at my corporate job. So it was so I did meet you right when Potmatch was starting. Yeah, you did, and yeah. So first of all, I'm gonna explain it in my own in my own uh in my own terms for everybody. Potmatch is this software that matches guests to hosts, right? Podcast guests to hosts and podcast hosts to guests. Um, I do want to hear about this story of how Potmatch grew like to the stratosphere. What what were you doing right? Like, tell us what was going on at the time and how were you able to grow it so quickly? Yeah, I, I, so timing, as you know, is extremely important in business. It's one of the, the top factors in determining if something is going to succeed or not. The timing was right on this. And that that's completely out of my control. So I want to first off admit that if I did this again and launched today, I don't know if it would be what it is today. But when we launched the official launch and that post you're talking about on LinkedIn was actually in 2020, right after the world shut down, like right after the world shut down was that post. I think I posted the idea about it earlier or something like that. But this was the first post saying, hey, this is live. Tell me what you think. And we had, I, I, I'm not like a social celebrity by any means. Like I have a small following and I really like it that way. But for whatever reason, that post drove 38,000 people to the website overnight. And that for me, some people might be listening to me like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's nothing, right? To me, that was a lot. That's and, amazing. That's yeah, incredible. That's I, thank you. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate you. So I um, we posted that and I don't know who it was, but some really well-known public speaker happened to just get on the platform and was like, basically he posted on his own social media saying, thank God I found a platform when I just lost all my platforms. Cause he's like, I charge a hundred thousand dollars for one hour presentation. And now I can go on podcasts for free and tons of podcasters flocked to it thinking this guy was on there and he was, but so did all of his speaking buddies, right? Like all of them. And there was hundreds of them. So within a three week period, we had a few thousand people on the software. We didn't do a paid ad. All I did was one LinkedIn post. Cause I was a, I came from aerospace. Like we didn't post on social media. Like it was all right. like big contracts with governments. Like they're not checking that stuff. Right. As a matter of fact, they prefer that you're not on it. I did this one post out of just like, oh, maybe someone will see it. And it, it led to thousands of people signing up. All, it felt like overnight. We could barely keep up with the growth at that early stage. That is insane. That is insane. And we can all, we can all wish that, you know, our ideas kind of like caught fire the way that yours did. Now, some people would take an idea like that, that caught fire like that and say, okay, next steps. We need to, um, you know, solidify all of the processes and the SOPs. Like we need to make this just be like easy so that we're not waking up in a sweat wondering what happened last night. Right. So we need to like get it in a good state and maybe maybe get bought out by a, by a bigger company. Like start thinking of like either an exit strategy or another growth opportunity. What was your 
take? What was your approach as this thing is growing? You start to stabilize it. What was your plan? My mentality and so many people in the first year, especially reaching out to buy it, but my whole mentality, and I told Jesse as well, I'm like, you know what? We're not even going to use the word users. We're building software. We're going to call them members. And this is our community. And what we're going to do every single day is our best to serve the people that are trusting us. Still to this day, we've never run an advertisement. All that we try to do is do our best by the people that have already trusted us and to serve them the best we possibly can. And my ultimate goal is if I can share like my underlying agenda, get ready. You know, this is, this is serious stuff. My goal with all this is to help podcasters release more episodes that serve the world and make it a better place. And a couple months ago, you released another app and this one is a free app. And I want to get your, your thoughts on the strategy. It's called Pod Lottery, uh, which essentially means you can uh, review somebody's podcast and that kind of gets you a ticket, like a lottery ticket. And then there's a drawing at night where whoever wins gets everybody who had a ticket to write a review for you, right? So it's like, right. it helps you grow your reviews and grow your listens by these podcasters for podcasters community. And that you had a meeting with Apple about this. Can you tell us I need to hear that story. How did you get into that room? Yeah, and, and I love Pod Lottery. Super fun. And, and by the way, it's just the same thing I already did. I just talked to people that are already trusting us and I find the next thing that they're struggling with. And this happened to be it. And I wanted something fun. Like it's not monetized, never will be. Actually legally, because it's a lottery, you're not allowed to monetize it, which is perfectly fine. That's my accountability because I never planned on charging for it anyway. So it's just free. It's just fun. But uh, yeah, I, I knew that we would need to validate a listen and a review if it was actually going to become from a place of integrity, it, I would love to just trust everybody, but I know someone's going to join and be like, I left 300 reviews today. And you're like, did you though? So it's all validated through Apple, but the only way to do that is to get their buy-in. So I'm a firm believer, like instead of trying to set up a meeting, go where these people already are. So I went to LA at an event that I knew some of these actual engineers at Apple would be. And I found one that was really high up, one of their senior people. And I just said, Hey, can I have five minutes of your time? pitched the idea to him and it started off like he wouldn't even make eye contact with me. He's clearly like looking around at other people like while I'm talking, he's like, uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yep. And then I pitched the idea to him. He turns and looks at me, he goes, that's a really good idea. And he's like, so you're going to have people come to Apple and listen on Apple podcasts and leave a review. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, hold on a minute. He goes on his little messaging thing. He goes, anything you need, you just call me. He's like, here's my cell phone number. Here's my email address. He goes, anything you need, you can have. And that was the whole meeting. It ended up being 10 minutes instead of five. But 10 minutes later, I walked out of there and I, I said, hey, we're gonna need APIs for all this stuff. And within 20 minutes, I had APIs for everything. So again, we can validate a listen and a review within Apple Podcasts. And that was the only way we could really make it work. I said, hey, we're either doing this or we're not, but I can't do it without your help. And he was like, all in, go for it. What advice would you have to people out there who still think like, you know, but who's going to listen to me and who's going to want this, right? The the amount of confidence you have displayed just by telling us these stories is insane. And I would hate for everybody to walk away saying, yeah, but that's Alex, because he has that leadership and that innate confidence. What would you tell someone who is struggling with that confidence so that they can step up and make their lives and their clients' lives better? First of all, I'll go back and share something I didn't share from my childhood. And I was actually homeschooled all the way through the, the whole way. And that started off because I was really dyslexic as a kid and I struggled to read. And I was actually, I think I was 12 when I actually started being able to read well. Like, well, I say, I say for me, well, let's put it that way. And still this day, 
if anyone ever watches me write, they still laugh. Cause like, why do you write your letters that way? I'm like, because that's how it works in my brain. Leave me alone. Right. Like, but that built a little bit of a calm, like that, that built something inside of me that has always been there. Right. So if I'm ever like on a stage and someone says, Hey, here's a, a marker and, and a whiteboard. Can you write this for us? I won't do it. I'll freeze. Just can't. I memorize what I'm going to say when I get on a stage. People are like, wow, you're so well-spoken. I'm like, it's almost out of necessity because I'm terrified to read a piece of paper, even if I know what it says in front of people, I'll literally start sweating and maybe start crying, right? Like, and here I am 35. This was a very long time ago, right? And it's been one of those things that like, not not saying it, it holds me back. Like, I've, again, I've had coaches, I've had people really help me along the way, but that's there, right? Like it, it is there. And so for me, like I'm, I might have the appearance of confidence, but I've done my best, especially in my circle of people in my corner that I can just be fully vulnerable with and say, you know what? I'm terrified of this. When I went to leave my job, I was so nervous. Like even my last day, like I was so scared. I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, what if I fail again? Right? Like, what if this just doesn't work? Or when I'm getting ready to speak on a stage, same thing. I'm like, there's someone smarter than me in this room or all of them are probably smarter than me, right? Like these questions still come up. And what I hold on to, the one thing that helps me always get through it there's two things I'm going to share here. But the first one is all I have to do is help somebody take one step forward. And the example I like to give is imagine I'm on the side of a mountain and we're, we're climbing it together and there's a big rock right in front of you and you just can't get your hands on top of it. I'm standing on top of that rock. If I put my hand down and give you just enough leverage to get up to my level, I've helped you. If I'm at the very top of that mountain and I'm calling down what steps to take, that's not even as helpful. So I just learned that, you know what, like, although I struggle with imposter syndrome, like most coaches and leaders do, I know that as long as I can help you take one positive step in the right direction, I have done my part. And if I was at the top, I probably couldn't really help you the way I dreamed to. It's better for me to be right here with you. And here's the thing. If you get where I am and then you run 30 steps ahead of me, that's great. That's your journey. That's your mission. If I can help one person who needs me most today, that's good. The other thing that I'll share, and this has been like something I've had to just grab onto, even when I was leaving my work, when I was growing what we're doing, getting on stages, sharing this even now is this one line. Courage means being afraid than doing what you have to do anyway. For me, if I really want to show up to serve people, I have to take courage and step into my fear saying, you know what, by doing this, I know it's going to add value to one life who needs me most. I'm not even doing it for the masses. I'm doing it for the one person who needs me. So I'm going to have courage. I'm going to step into that fear and make it happen because I know it's going to better somebody's life. Those two things have been what have helped me get through some of that imposter syndrome that comes up almost on a daily basis. It's just part of life. But the the ones of us that are making it somewhere, the ones that are willing to step into it because we know it's going to serve somebody else. What is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful business person? Yeah, then I'm an overnight success. <laughs> I, I shared Kevin's quote earlier in the episode, so I'm not going to rephrase that. But people are always like, how'd you do it so fast? Like how how this all just worked together for you? I, in this episode, which I never forget to talk about this stuff, you know, so thank you for, for this. Someone who listened to this can tell that like, I'm not an overnight success. Like you can clearly see the successes and failures and how all the things were building blocks. If you go back and listen to this again, you can kind of connect all the dots of how it got me to where I am. Even when I started my podcast, I started it in 20, the, 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 the entrepreneurship one that turned into the whole software and stuff like that. Right. Like I, I believe I started it almost two years before we actually launched the software. Like that's not overnight. And so the misconception is, oh, Alex, everything he touches turns to gold. No, I still have little projects internally that fail every single day. And I just know that, you know what? If I'm trying, I'm serving. And if I'm not trying, I'm not serving. So I'm going to try, I'm going to fail. 
And I'm going to keep on leveraging that to move me in the right direction. So the misconception, once again, is just that people think I'm some sort of overnight success. For all the online coaches who are listening and who are trying to get their businesses going and trying to make them profitable, what is one thing that you would tell them to do? And we're, we're putting them on the hook. They have to do this thing you're about to tell them to do in the next 24 hours. What would that thing be? All right. Very specific here. So take notes, get a piece of paper and get a pen, turn off all tech and remind yourself why you're doing what you do. So what's the big picture? Like, what's the reason for it? Who's it served? Like get granular like that on pen and paper, no computers or anything like that. And then the next thing I want you to do is write down what the next single most important thing is for you to do in order to do that better. Not the whole strategy, not the next year, but the one single thing that you say by doing this it moves the needle forward that all the rest is admin stuff, responding to that email, making that post, doing this, doing that. It makes all that stuff almost irrelevant because that one thing is so important on that quest. That's my challenge to you. Start with why, get granular on like who it serves and how it's going to help, and then find the one most important thing that you can do today and go execute that. I love that. I think I'm going to do that today. Uh, Alex, Alex, you are the man. I I love every time that we get to see each other in these conferences, every time we get to talk. And I'm so happy to have been able to share you and share your story in this podcast. Can you please tell everybody where to go and follow you and how to immediately go sign up for Podmatch? Yeah, sure. Podmatch is at podmatch.com. And and I just gotta go back. You know, thank you. What a blast. So fun. I I really pre you've been you really have been there since day one. When I first launched my podcast, you're one of the first calls I had. And I'll never forget it. You've just helped me so much. So thank you. Wouldn't be where I am today without you. Um, beyond Podmatch, where I always tell people to go, again, I'm 100% podcasting. It's all I do. But if you are interested in maybe being a host or a guest, or that is already what you do, I put together a, a little quick resource. It's five quick wins that you can read in less than five minutes. I don't want your email address or anything like that. If you just go to podpros.com forward slash win, you can grab that. And, and hopefully that's helpful to you on your journey. So podpros.com slash win. But I recommend... Stick with the global phenomenon. Ina, you are taking people places, including me as a listener. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. And if somebody wants to go and get on Podmatch, is the app, where is the app available? Oh, it, anywhere. Podmatch.com. You can mobile, desktop, anything. So just go to podmatch.com and it'll give you the next directions, next steps. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Alex. And we'll see you on Podmatch. Thanks, Ina. Hey there, Ina here. After listening to this interview, you may be wondering what you missed. What did our guests share with me that was so hot? I couldn't even put it in the mainstream version of this podcast. Become a TGP Insider today and get access to all of our uncut interviews, as well as access to the behind the scenes of my six-figure coaching business through my Instagram close friend stories. Head over to theglobalphenomenon.com insider or click on the link in the show notes for all the details. And I'll see you inside our Facebook community for online coaches, where you can share what's going on in your business and connect with other amazing coaches in this space. Go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook or click on the link in the show notes. And I'll see you on the next one.